Thanks for tuning in to the Let's Engage podcast, where we reimagine communications in the digital era. I'm your host, Al Belasco, head of media and applications at Radisys. Our guest today is Nick Johnson. Nick is the head of the UK Telecoms Innovation Network, a collaborative forum that brings together industry, government, and academia to stimulate the UK telecom industry. Over the past few decades, we've witnessed the accelerated evolution of digital engagements from the early days of mobile voice to the addition of mobile broadband data and to the use of AI and machine learning, video analytics, and connected everything potential with 5G networks. This mobile revolution has not only connected people anywhere, anytime, but has transformed commerce and how industries operate. In this episode, we'll explore the changes seen in the mobile market in the UK and globally, and the trend shaping the future of digital communications. Nick, thanks very much for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome, Al. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. First, maybe you can tell the audience a bit more about UKTIN. How does UKTIN facilitate the market in the UK and what's its role in the market? Sure. So uh, UKTIN, UK Telecoms Innovation Network, the clue is in the name, right? So it's telecoms, which means actually broadly wireless fixed and satellite as well, or, or I should say non-terrestrial satellite mm. now means much more than satellite. So it's you know, uh, high altitude platforms as well as satellites. So all of telecoms, and it's about innovation. So there's a sort of observation going back a few years that innovation in telecoms has sort of slipped out of gear a little bit in the UK and it needed to be re-engaged. And so that is broadly the remit of UK TIN. The network part is that we are a network of networks, so to speak, to use the 6G phraseology. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we are a forum where lots of other networks can communicate with each other. Uh, I guess we'll see a little bit more about that, how that works as we, as we talk further. Mm -hmm. um, it kicked off, I think, back in UK government sponsored a thing called the uh, Supply Chain Diversification Task Force um, back in 2021, and that that task force reported a series of things. A series, and the UK government picked up a series of policy initiatives out of that. One of the important ones is uh, a thing called the Front Door Service. So there was an observation that, uh, again, that led this sort of idea that innovation had slipped out of gear, kind of become fragmented. And so there was a, a perception that for anybody to find their way in the ecosystem in the UK, it was pretty difficult. Unless you were already immersed in it, it was hard to find your way. So having one door to find sources of government funding, for instance, for, for uh, supported initiatives, and similarly for government to find get a single voice of industry, you know, in telecoms to say, well, you know, what's going on? What do we need to listen to? And so on. Um, that mm -hmm. was, that was an important part of that thing. Um, but, and that's, that remit has kind of extended a little bit within UK TIN to say, it's not just about government finding its way or, or organizations finding their way to each other. Um, we've got to find, you know, anybody who's interested in innovation, whether that's a small business, a large company, an inward investor, um, a university spin out, um, any, a go to market partner. If anybody's looking for some way to get an innovation to market, you know, UK TIN is there to help. And that we, we are the, the single front door that you knock on, mm -hmm. um, to find your way. One of the aspects of UK TIN. So we, you know, we are that network of networks that brings people together to foster innovation. Um, we also within that 
task force report was a bunch of other things. The supply chain diversification fact, factor is very important. You know, there's an observation that you know the global telecom supply chain is dominated by a small number of companies, and that you know was a sort of a risky place to be. A sort of non-resilience. You know, resilient is a key word in this conversation. You want to make sure that that actually critical national infrastructure like telecoms doesn't depend on something which is, you know, any any particular uh, global shock, you know, whether that's a geopolitical thing or a technical thing, security thing, whatever it mm-hmm. happens to be, doesn't kind of just completely stymie the whole supply chain. So looking for ways to make the supply chain more resilient and the response to that, you know, supply chain diversification. And that brings along with it a set of consequences for looking at how do we re-energize the small medium enterprise segment in the UK, the SME segment. Mm-hmm. And so a range of support there. You know, UKTIN has a bunch of activities to support SMEs, and that might be um, what we're calling innovation translation workshops. So we are organizing a set of uh, workshops for SMEs to join to look at innovations. How do how do small businesses at the start of their innovation journey then get support, find the funding they need, shape themselves to grow, to find a customer, to find mm. partners, to collaborate effectively, um, to find you know find private funding as well as government funding. So that's, that's an important factor there. And then alongside that, the earlier in the chain, of course, then we have to support the long-term R&D objectives of your know, telecoms. And um, we need to think about uh, very hard about what's, what does the sector actually want? You know, I think one of the big questions that telecoms worldwide is worried about is, you know, managing its electricity bill. You know, that when as in such a mature business, such a, a mature segment, you know, those kind of irreducible operating costs are really important. And any innovation that can be brought to bear to help fix that or help you know, ameliorate that um, mm. is welcome. So, you know, we're there to encourage uh, innovation in those kind of directions. So that goes on in, you know, beyond just power consumption. We're talking about other ways in which operating costs of networks can be can be reduced. And and of course, we're not just talking to big MNOs. We're, we're talking to you know, the small, the growth sector, um, you know, the private networks, the, um, the, the shared networks, the private spectrum, the uh, neutral hosts, uh, mm-hmm. incredibly important part of the market. Well, it's a pretty diverse, ambitious, but really important uh, set of objectives and activities that you highlighted. Uh, maybe to hone in on that last point you made uh, about the aspect of uh, private networks as part of this remit. I think one of the responsibilities from a government perspective uh, in this domain of private networks is the authorization of licenses for, for their enablement. Uh, what's your relationship with the regulator in this area and how is the advancement of private mobile networks in the UK uh, proceeding from your perspective? So UK TIN doesn't really have a regulatory remit. We take the regulatory framework as read, so to speak. And of course, regulatory frameworks are different the world over. And one of the founding, one of the principles of UKT, and of course, we're, we're looking to stimulate UK innovation, but it has to operate in a global context, right? We can't, there isn't, UK isn't a big enough market to support an innovation ecosystem of the scale that we have in mind. So we need to make sure that the innovation that we're fostering 
um, can operate worldwide. And so we're not particularly aligned to one regulatory regime or another. But having said that, we like what Ofcom is doing, you know, in terms of enabling private spectrum. It's got ser- several initiatives, you know, you know, several ways of accessing spectrum under under a private shared license mm-hmm. uh, alongside the traditional exclusive use licenses that the mobile operators enjoy. There's a, a bunch of ways in which you can apply to Ofcom for spectrum in particular places and, you know, significant chunks of spectrum as well. So that's very encouraging. And we see, you know, it's stimulating a lot of growth. You know, there's at MWC earlier this year, we heard um, uh, Christina Data, who's the uh, one of the policymakers at Ofcom, announce that Ofcom had recently licensed its thousand uh, private spectrum license in the UK. So that sort of growth over a you know, pretty short time frame that's very very encouraging and we see that very much alongside mnos you know there's no um, one size fits all here you know mnos have a role to play in the market and but so does private spectrum private service providers also you know with innovation uh, uh, one of the um, elements of of the organization's name how do you see private network uh, the evolution of private networks and the advancement of private networks or adoption of private networks innovative applications and services in the uh, mobile network space well it's a key element i mean adoption is really what we're all shooting for right so you know innovation is all very well but innovation is just dreaming unless you can actually deploy the stuff so mm-hmm. we need to make sure that the stuff that we're innovating can actually be deployed and adopted you know across the country in the regions of the uk as well as beyond and and to that end government re- launched earlier this year a thing called the 5g innovation regions funding and that will be announced in september but that's focused around um, a bunch of vertical markets, in particular transport, manufacturing, agriculture, health and social care, as well as a place-based adoption looking at um, networks in urban and rural deployments as well. So, you know, it's, it's a very high on the policy agenda, actually, getting, getting advanced networks uh, deployed and operating uh, around the UK. And. One at Radisys is a diverse diversity in our offer, uh, ranging from technologies that are deployed in the network to services that run on the on these networks, macro network or private networks, even on the endpoint and and device side. So, in in a lot of ways, we have end to end capabilities, but also components of these solutions that can be uh, deployed and, and mix and match with different supplier elements in a in a network. And one of the things that we feel is very important to realizing, I think you said there, uh, you know, innovation, the part of innovation is about, you know, dreaming, but then how do you realize, <laughs> how do you realize? Then you have to wake up. How do you realize <laughs> those dreams? And we think that, uh, you know, providing more accessible programmability for network capabilities, both from mm. the network infrastructure itself and connectivity to cap- features that can be access to devices in the network and features that are features that are available in those networks is, mm. is, is really important because um, any one company or supplier, they may not have the, you know, kind of visibility or creativity that exposing these capabilities through tools that can be developers can use or or business users can use is an important way to unlock new innovation. I mean, what's your perspective in this area? Well, I'm glad to hear you, you're so active. It's, it's encouraging to see that sort of activity you know going on so in, over such a such a broad field. Um, absolutely. I mean, in the end, the market, the customer will decide, right? We 
you know, UKTN or, or neither UKTN nor Alatis nor any other single entity can actually mandate, you know, you shall buy this or you shall mm-hmm. operate this. So in the end, the customer will choose. Uh, and our job is to facilitate that choice, right? So we, we don't necessarily know the answer either, but all we can do is enable the various answers, the various possible answers that come along about how, you know, what's the right way to configure a manufacturing site for easy changeover of, you know, batch of product, uh, product codes. You know, if you want to change manufacturing from one particular device to another, what's, what, how do you configure that? Um, we don't, we don't know the answer necessarily. We don't know the vendor who has got the right answer either, but, you know, we have to enable people who have a concern. For instance, you know, manufacturing in the Midlands of the UK is still a very important economic activity you know how can they take advantage of advanced wireless technology um in order to reduce their manufacturing costs and you know change over time down change over downtimes and so on um mm-hmm. yeah but that's the part that's part of the initiative is to enable organizations like like such as i can't really name names at the moment but you know people in that region for instance in the uk uh, but also you know other other regions of the uk to see what's available to make the best choices um, to find access to you to construct the business case that works uh, and find access to the funding that they need mm. um, it's a uh, a number that there's a couple of numbers that's worth flashing around here so in the wireless infrastructure strategy uh, that was published earlier this year from the UK government there was a number 159 billion pounds of added value that would be unlocked um, by adoption of you know 5G over you know, over the next few years, and a similar GSMA report just published in the last uh, last weeks, talking about 960 billion dollars of global value add and uh, up to the year 2030, I think, and that's that is incredibly large numbers uh, that of you know economic viability. And it's really you know, those kind of numbers are really important to the UK TIN message because. We can, you can show that to investors and say, look, there's that value that needs to be unlocked. It's there to be unlocked. Um, what it needs is some investment to make sure it can be unlocked. And that's all part of the same sort of virtuous circle of enabling um, enterprises and local authorities, you know, public public bodies, to see the benefits of of advanced wireless, advanced communications tech generally. Mm. Um, to see how they can deploy it, how they can fund it, and what the benefits they can reap from it, and then having done that, then you know convince the investment community, whether that's government funding or private funding, yeah. um, make that happen. Okay, thank you. You know, there's uh, I touched on earlier uh, a number of different technologies that are uh, intersecting with the mobile network uh, capabilities and and helping facilitate innovation. Among them, a broad category called a, you know, of AI or artificial intelligence mm. and uh, machine learning. <clears throat> Any insights that you can share about how these technologies are affecting your the stakeholders that you work with and helping facilitate new innovative services or operational efficiencies in network. I think you just hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the, uh, we talked about big, you know, the big problems that are facing or the big challenges that are facing mobile operators today. We talked about the power, the electricity bill, power consumption, but also the general operational cost of a network and uh, you know, how, what's the cost of change. And AI has a lot of promise to help, help manage the cost of change. 
but also make that change more accurate and more sticky so that it's actually going to, you know, that it's right first time. So all of the change that you need to actually extend the network to increase the capacity, to improve the quality, to improve the handover quality, improve the the general uniformity of the network around the country. Mm -hmm. All of those things, at least in principle, can be helped by AI um, you know, whereas, you know, we know, you know, from my own personal experience, I know how much effort it takes to keep a network optimized as it grows. Um, and it's, you know, if you have to rely on human agency to make that happen, that's an incredibly expensive business. Mm. Uh, and the more that we can use AI and other similar tools to help that along, um, the better it is. And, and I mean, we're at the early, you know, we're in the early stages of, of AI and telecoms, but incredible amount of uh, promise there. One of the aspects of UK Tin's activities is a set of expert working groups, one of which is in AI, um, but a whole range of, um, of technical focus groups that are essentially constructing the R&D roadmap for the UK over the next five to 10 years in telecoms. So we are looking forward to that. those groups uh, reporting over the next year and a half of the project to, um, you know, to actually essentially uh, inform you know, the market, you know, both the market and government in terms of the you know, things it should be supporting in mm. the term to come. So government, how, you, government in the UK works in these cycles of spending reviews. So in 20, we're in the middle of one right now in the spending period. That, that finishes in the spring of 2025. Then there's another spending review where you know, more you know, significant chunks of money are allocated for various technical or various uh, innovative purposes. One of the key outputs of UK Tin is is a is that roadmap, which talks about the strengths of UK innovation and where UK government should be looking to design its next round of interventions and next where should it be placing its support mm-hmm. in UK innovation. Um, I think that's that's an incredibly important element of the UK Tin activity set. Yeah, and we're really looking forward to that. Taking you and, and you know, coming back to the beginning, AI is right in the centre of that conversation. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you've you've highlighted there and earlier in the conversation a couple of tangible uh, activities that UK Tin helps to facilitate and realize its goals. Any examples that you might highlight for the audience here about kind of interesting, new, unique, gee whiz uh, applications or innovation you've seen <laughs> in a vertical market? That I'd say, hey, this is this highlights or hints at the promise of you know innovation in these next gen networks. Well, actually, one of the most striking ones, so my, my personal background, so I was the CTO and founder of a small cell business called IP Access, and it, which was acquired by Mavenir in 2020. And I took a couple of years off after that um, and then came back into UK TIN uh, earlier this year. And uh, one of the things I noticed in, the, in that time frame was the incredible shift in non-terrestrial that actually, well, not only had it changed name, it was all, all just about satellite. Yeah, when I left, uh, but it's now includes the idea of these high altitude platforms. So now is more properly named you know, non-terrestrial, uh, and it's the fact is the five G directs the handset from the satellite. Really important shift in the economics of the whole delivery of your know, high altitude coverage. You know, it used to be that yeah, you know, obviously satellite services were coming down in price. The actual cost of launching a satellite was coming down, and therefore the cost of satellite services was was coming down. But the model was always, well, we've got this big fat Ethernet pipe in the sky, we'll just connect a base station to it like we do with reg- just in a terrestrial one, except it's going back over the satellite rather than over a 
piece of fiber. Mm. Um, but now you could doing 5G direct to the satellite. You don't need any of that ground-based infrastructure. So you've changed the economics of rural deployment, or, you know, wide area deployment, just now, over, well, I say, I was going to say overnight there for a second, but uh, over, you know, over, there's, there's a lot of innovation gone into that and it's going to take a while to mature, but it's, it draws a, a line under the old way of doing it. And now the new way of doing it direct from the satellite, incredibly important, a real shift in, in that. And that's, you know, that, that's not necessarily a private network thing, but it's a real shift in the landscape that's, that's just great to see. Mm -hmm. Real interesting example. Thank you. UK TIN had a lot of the remit that you talked about within the UK, many of the aspects of the objectives that are set out for your organization are really not local problems, uh, supply chain diversity, uh, power efficiency, you know, obviously each market, each country and in individual markets have their own kind of unique areas or industries that they might focus on and facilitate, you know, very specific innovation. But from any lessons learned or um, that you would share with the audience as they're thinking about these challenges in their countries, in their regions, or within the networks as they're rolling them out? Yeah. So um, as the first thing I should recommend is that everybody registers with UKTIN.net. And you know, by doing that, you'll get yourself a front seat view of innovation in the UK ecosystem as it happened. I can't emphasize that strongly enough. That's a, that's a nice thing to be in you know, with a close-up view of. Um, the. But in terms of things that we should, we've sort of observed already. I think one of the most, one of the clearest consequences, I think, of trying to diversify the supply chain is that you're looking to encourage small vendors into the space. And of course, big vendors, so big, big operators, um, such as you know, mobile operators, fixed operators, um, very big businesses, very risk averse, very sensibly so, um, they're somewhat concerned about buying from small vendors in terms of you know continuity of supply and you know does it just add add more risk to their to their supply chain um so the role of the system integrator in all this is really important and so we want to make sure that they have they are part of that conversation so that you know that it, it's showing there's a new generation of customer coming along so not only are people looking to sell directly to operators we yeah there's been some good examples of how that succeeded in the past but to get that scaled and mainstream, we need somebody who can absorb you know, multiple vendors into you know, a single sort of solution, and uh, and then offer that to the market. You know, with some you know the, with the usual product guarantees, you know, performance and and supply guarantees. Uh, so there's a commercial. I think that's one of the biggest um, commercial things that con that is a consequence of supply chain diversification, is that you need to make sure that the elements of the supply chain match up with each other and the the, the system integrator has a really key role uh, in enabling that that to happen mm -hmm. um there's other other things going on as well and i think the way you know, there's a trend uh, that's been going for some years now where mobile operators are tending to you know they're offloading radio access assets to telcos for instance and then the telcos are operating them as a shared resource and that's that trend. I think is gathering pace that we're seeing um, telcos starting to operate more of the network on a shared basis. So it's not just about sharing the concrete and the metalwork; it's about sharing the operation of the 
of the base, the active equipment as well. Mm. In some areas, we can see that that's going to be sharing the spectrum. That's always a slightly tricky area with, um, you know, depending on, again, coming back to regulation, um, does your local regulator allow you to share a, a licensed spectrum block with with somebody else, maybe with a, potentially with a competitor? And so there, there are some aspects there to be to be got through. But there are some significant shifts in the economics of the of the market, which again encouraging you know diversification because I think you know Tawakos themselves you know they wanted to grow their business and find diversity in their own supply chains, and I think there's a market there to be had with SMEs. You know, potentially with the help of a um, uh, help, help of a system integrator, but we're looking beyond just the traditional MNOs now, looking to tower codes, to shared spectrum operators, um, and you know, shared uh, neutral hosts as well. Generally, around the world, it's, it's, that's becoming a global trend. I think. Mm. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for being a guest uh, and for the insights that you shared. I think uh, we are we're very interested in continuing to follow uh, UK TIN and initiatives and, and its initiatives and activities and learning from them. And I think uh, after this conversation, uh, so will our uh, audience. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, Al. Nice set of questions. Uh, very stimulating. Good conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Nick, for joining us today and sharing UK TIN's perspectives on how innovation in communications networks has helped connect people and transform industries. Follow our podcast for more such engaging conversations. We'll be back with another insightful episode of the Radisys Let's Engage podcast soon. I hope everyone in the audience enjoyed the discussion. For more information on Radisys Engage platform, please check out www.engagedigital.com. AI. And as Nick recommended, please follow UK Tins uh, progress in the UK market. Thank you.